All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fuck aristas? Well, what the fuckstables? Oh, yeah. Okay. Man, I just, uh, I'm Mark Marin and I am, uh, I just finished a honey crisp apple that was the size of a baby's head. Are the, I know they're mutated apples. I know they are invented. They genetically were created, but they are a masterpiece. I know they come out of Minnesota. I'm not sure where. I could have done some research, but uh, why change my ways? Pow! I just shit my pants. Just coffee.coop. Available at WTFpod.com. Jay Moore is on the show today. And Jay, I've known since he was a child. Uh, I believe. I remember when Jay started coming around the New York scene. He must have been 16 or 17 years old. This kid from New Jersey. This cocky kid with a lot of attitude. And now he's uh, he's an older guy with uh, with a slightly tempered attitude. There's still the juice of Jay Moore, but he has been humbled. Which always makes for a better person and a better conversation. Now let's get back to me. All right, look, I just want to give you an update on a couple of things. Boomer has not showed up again. The sadness persists. I will be in Philadelphia uh, this weekend, the 6th through the 8th at Helium. Looking forward to that. I will be sitting down with Tom Sharpwing uh, over that uh, weekend, hopefully to get a couple more episodes of the Mark and Tom show. I would like to say there is a few more box sets of the DVDs, the first 100 episodes of WTF, uh, available here on the site. And... uh, If you're looking for a Christmas present, that's a good one. I believe we are going to repackage them uh, and do another run of them. They they sold very well, and I appreciate that. That is really one of the only ways you can get and own the first 100 of these uh, things that I do, and I believe we're going to do the second 100 as well. Uh, What's another update that you need? I just did a laundry intervention uh, with my girlfriend, Jessica, who I've... I've lost faith in her ability to know what's clean and what isn't clean or what she wears or doesn't wear. You walk into a room and there, there is just an, an ocean of clothing and it's uh, it's troublesome. So I, I, I tried to do it as, as casually as possible. You know, I had, uh, we had, I had some friends come over and we just sat her down, uh, in her room in this nest of clothes and said, this is really a problem and it's unmanageable. So she's she's doing a load of wash now, and she'll probably do one other one, and that'll be the extent of the attempt at dealing with the laundry problem. I don't know if this is a girl thing or a, a woman thing or just a, a person thing, but it's just, I guess we all got our things, man. Yeah, I've got a record thing. So th- the update on that is is now, you know, instead of masturbating or napping, I find myself going up to permanent records. I never thought I would be this kid again. Where I'm going, I'm hanging around a fucking record store, uh, trying to be cool. You're hoping that these people that run the record store are are gonna like me. Like their approval is important to me. These people that run a used record store. What am I? 14 again? I'm gonna sit there and talk about records. I think they're just indulging me. I think that it's uh, you know I'm just days away from like oh here comes that guy again. I I just don't know. I think I have these fantasies of completion. Uh, re my house, my guitar situation, uh, cataloging my books, getting re- rid of books, you know, stuccoing this weird, uh, you know, added room on my house that was added, God knows when, that the wood is rotting. Fantasies of completion. In my mind, I'm finishing them, getting a window treatment for my girlfriend's uh, room. In my mind, I'm finishing everything. Manifesting the finishing is not happening. 
How do I manifest the finishing? I'll get to it. I don't know, man. I'm 49 years old. I'm starting to think there's some shit I am not going to get to, and it's right here in this room, and I'm going to have to fucking live with that and just remain fantasizing about finishing. Fantas- I just I got to get my house painted because I do. I can see it in my head. Looks good. Wish I could show it to you people, but I can't because it's a fucking fantasy. And all I got to do is call a guy and pick a color. But even just saying that, I got exhausted by just standing in front of the paints, the swatches. This is how I work. This is my belief system. The fantasy of finishing, the fantasy of completion, the fantasies of being perfect. I need to put a good hour together. I would like to tape a comedy special next year. And I've got a lot of stuff to work with. I've got a beautiful new hour. I'd like it to be as efficient as possible, but not uh, you know, not overwrought. And I need to punch it up a little bit. So I should do that. Will I do that? If I look at the history of me, maybe, maybe. I saw him once, 1981, Tattoo U Tour, Madison Square Garden, Floor Seats. That's a good one. Steel Wheels was a really good tour. You saw it? I did see it at Shea Stadium, and I was so far in the back. What year was that? Were you like, a, oh, really? You weren't a, a guy yet? You, didn't, you weren't like, no, uh, like Jay Moran with the band? No, I was like 18. I was just out of high school, and it was um, it was Steel Wheels, and it was their big comebacks. Pretty good album, Steel Wheels. Not as right. good as, but Voodoo Lounge is really the one that no one ever talks about that I think is super underrated Stones album. I yeah, really, I, I don't know if I bought it even. Love Strong. You're so sweet. Come on, the last great Stones album, maybe um, some girls for a whole record, Emotional Rescue had a couple of good songs on it. But there's a couple of real clunkers in Emotional Rescue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to Voodoo Lounge, you love it. And yeah. The real fun thing is when you listen to, on YouTube, you can find Keith doing, because he writes a lot of it. Yeah. If not, you know, all except Wild Horses, apparently. That's a weird thing about reading that book. It's like you kind of wonder, like, how much of this is just a stick. Uh, you, you know, like, there's some heavy shit in there. Like, I mean, arguably, he killed a kid. Arguably. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can see on YouTube, Keith, you can hear on YouTube, Keith recording himself doing Love is Strong, but he yeah. only knew Love is Strong and he knew the bridge. So it's like, Love is Strong. It's so sweet. <laughs> love is Strong. And Love is Strong. Baby. That's it? It's great. It's just a single vocal track? Uh, with with all the instruments. like Because oh, Keith, okay. as we know from Happy, Keith can sit down and do, do bass drums and just go, you know yeah, what, yeah, yeah. I'm just feeling happy right now. Do the whole thing. In Montserrat, I just yeah. feel like recording. Because Charlie Watts was staying like four hours away. Bill Wyman was on a boat and they all just, it took so long. I, to like, I feel like, like now that you're talking about like the exile shit, like I feel like just you saying that, like I actually have from reading that book, I feel like I have memories of being there. I do too. <laughs> it's weird. You were just describing, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that with the boat. They had the boat, and, and I, I got m- such a more uh, better understanding of like Mick Taylor. Like he must have been the biggest passive, the best musician they ever had. Great guitar player. I got a great Jim Marshall photo of Keith and Mick at the mic stand uh, at Montserrat, and you just and Mick is just in mid scream. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then uh, and Keith, Mick looks all dopey. 
he's just screaming. He's like, rocks off, man. And then uh, Keith's got a cigarette in his hand and he's wearing a Rolling Stones t-shirt, which I'm like, that was the beginning of the coolest shit that ever happened. How do you feel about bands wearing their own shirts on stage? You know, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if I have an opinion on it. Let me like. Let me really process it. I'd <laughs> rather. I'd, I'd you rather want not. Come, you want me to come? You want to take, yeah, a, break take a break? Yeah. <laughs> it's nice and early, Jay. Jay Moore in the garage didn't even introduce you. That's all right. Doesn't yeah, no matter. problem. So okay, so how'd you manage to uh, grow up in New Jersey and end up a Stones guy, not a, a Springsteen guy? How's that happen? I'm a huge Springsteen guy. So you're Springsteen and Stones. You got the and full, Beatles. Full, well, that's yeah. Rufus Wainwright, Sinatra. Wait, 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 wait. That comes, yeah. Rufus comes later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, then is it, he a Jersey guy? No, just people that really made me go. There's, there's something so much better than I could ever hope to accomplish. But you're, high, you're like, okay. So you're in high school. When did you graduate high school? Eighty-eight. Okay, eighty-eight. So you're driving around. What are you driving? A Ford Fairmont, which was my sister's. Then she went to college at Rutgers and realized she didn't need a car to just walk from house to house and get pie-eyed. So I just inherited the car. Okay, so you're driving a lot of Van Halen because I was, I, you know, I was a mat rat. I wrestled, so there's a lot of Van Halen one. Yeah, lot. I remember when that came out. That came out when I was in high school. That was like it wasn't. 19, it was eighty seventy nine. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. new, but it was what it was. What was up? You were a wrestler. Yeah, that was your sport. Yeah, was there other sports? Uh, baseball, average baseball. But you were a jock guy. Uh, see, er, people keep telling me that, and I, I've always... Really? They come up to you on the street and go, you're a jock? No, like the Passanes and the guys like you go like, well, you're oh, yeah. a jock. And I'm like, I'm not a fucking jock. And they go like, well, no, you wrestled, and you Sunday you're going to be in the house watching football. That's your jock. Did you have a letter jacket? Four of them. Okay, so that's it. It's over. There's no arguing the point, Jay. It's just odd that I, I never... If I knew I was a jock at the time, I would have used it to my advantage. Come on, you must have. Oh, no. Wrestling's a whole... Like, it's lone wolf. Well, you guys are like the retarded guys. We are. Yeah, you, the wrestlers seem to have their own, like, pack. And they, you, they're not social. And, and you're <laughs> never together except for at the end of the day when yeah. those three hours of wrestling practice and then you don't talk to each other because you just can't breathe. How many kids were in your family? Three, two girls. I'm the youngest of uh, three. Two so older two sisters. Si two older sisters. Virginia, Julie, and me. It's like Louie. So you grew up with a house full of girls. All women, yeah. And my dad was, you know, it's that the classic weird thing that I don't think really happens anymore where your dad goes to work at 6.30 and comes home at 6.30 at night and your mom makes him dinner and then he reads a John Le Carre novel and tells you, get out of my light. <laughs> That's it? That's Love your relationship? You. Love you too. What did he do? Uh, I still don't know. You don't have no idea. And when you ask really? him, you just get this rambling. Ram Come on, you have a general sense. You went something, somewhere, right? Yeah, some, Clark O'Neill was one company. Uh, something to do with pharmaceutical uh, branding. So the closest I ever got to an explanation was my dad was doing his uh, uh, dull explanation, and I love my father very much, so it's not like my dull old man over there still in around? Jersey. Oh, yeah, they are uh, they moved to Easton. I guess that's like moving on. From where? Jersey's. Moving on sideways. <laughs> from wait, Jersey wait, to Easton, up? Pennsylvania. Verona, New Jersey. I don't. I can't get a sense of where that is because my whole family's from New Jersey. Giant Stadium. Right by where you grew up. Oh, right by where my mother grew Livingston? up. Livingston? Lakes. Pompton, Pompton Lakes. That's Route 23. Right, Route 23. Just 23 South is yeah. Verona. I lived in Wayne, New Jersey when I was very young. And my grandmother lived in Pompton Lakes, but she'd take us to Willowbrook. And I remember the, the, the most amazing thing that happened in my childhood to my grandmother was when they built Paramus Park Mall. 
that was a big because it was closer to her no oh because it was i think it, i don't know if we talked about this did we i don't know but uh they had one of the they had i think the first food court so my grandmother would say like they have food from around the world <laughs> <laughs> And we drive, and they had the whole upstairs was just the food court, which is just who gives a fuck now. But like then, it was like, oh my god, they do. So that became look, the Mark. There's Korean, yeah. There's Italian, Greek. There was a Greek place. I was thinking it was the first time I had. I don't know soup. why I made your grandmother sound like Louis Schaefer. Yeah, I don't either. It's just your. That's but a, back then, don't you think maybe it was like it, go, on the way in? Yeah. On the ground floor of food court, I bet they really tried to make it from. Uh, I think that was the idea, make it exotic. But it was probably that the walk place, and uh, you know, they, they might have been privately owned. They might have been. And then just you realize, you know, we could just do this, get guys to come in from Montclair. Yeah, do it everywhere. Yeah, you know, I know a walk guy yeah. in Bloomfield. Yeah, but no, is that fucking what's that uh, walk restaurant that's at all those places? I don't remember the Chinese place. It's always a pun. But were you hanging around the fountain at Willowbrook with your friends in your oh, letter yeah. jacket? You'd go on weekends and you just sit there all fucking day. And you well, know, yeah, uh, because girls in my school would never talk to me, so I would go and is reinvent. Is that true? Yeah, listen, I, and then, I, I'm not. I'm having a hard time you painting yourself as a. The I was a hundred and five pound blonde guy in an all like, attempt. Picture the Jersey yeah, Shore. You had a lot of spunk, and you were, you know, not and, not. It wasn't harnessed at all, Mark. It was batshit bananas, crazy. Oh you, my you god, get me, this kid! You tell me you didn't get laid in high school with the letter jacket, with the wrestling. No, I got laid in high school, but it was always chicks from other towns because you can go and be whoever you want. Oh, so you'd go and be Christopher Walken somewhere else yeah it'd be like hey uh you know i'm 14 and oh i wrestle uh, nobody knows my record's two and nine and in your own school i i, I talked myself out of pretty much as in my adult life my mouth has talked me out of copious amounts of money and friendships why because you're a dick yeah a lot of the time <laughs> i don't mean to be but if, we talked about it on the way over and it's so funny you said that i said apparently Something about me, despite my best intentions and where my ins where I know my insides are, apparently there's something about me that's inherently unlikable. Where people's first reaction to me is, Whoa, back off a little there, annoying guy. What do you think what do you think it is, man? I mean, what do you think it is? I'm trying to figure it out right now too, because I remember there was a. Because <laughs> you're like I'm trying to figure it out too, because I've never liked you, but I've kind of liked you. No, I like. I never had a problem with you, but I think one. I think what happened was that uh, you're cocky, which is fine, and that doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, come from a, a, a good place. But it is what it is. It's a personality thing. But I think that once you uh, once you got on a roll, cockiness mixed with money and and a little bit of fame is horrendous. Yeah, and I've said that. <laughs> I say that on more stories uh, often, which is when you go do Jerry Maguire, you can't come back to the stoop and start breaking balls. It's di it is different, right? Like when they know you've gotten paid, you've been out and you've been doing, and then you're, yeah, I'm in town doing this picture perfect movie. Who? Yeah. Oh, it's me and Jennifer Aniston. Oh, you just did Jerry Maguire. Yeah, and then the, that's a nice fucking shirt you got there, Keith Robinson. Uh, why don't you go uh, fucking ask Jim Norton to sew that? People just go, this guy's a dick. Even right. though it's the exact same thing you said when you're all in the mire together. But I think that could be some of it. It, it really is something I wrestle with, not emotionally, because I know, I mean, if you really want to go actor studio, and I, I know where my heart is, and I know where my mind and soul is. I, I'm, I'm certain of that. 
And when you read comments or message boards, which we all know is the death knell to all of our sites. I read, I read the one on my site, and there's only usually at the most you know, 15 posts at any given time. And that's, that's my limit. I don't go to other message boards. I typed in last night. Uh, my Showtime special was coming up, and I'm like, because I, I don't think Showtime advertises at all. I, know, like, I don't think so. Like it's on at, you, buddy. Yeah, like actually at all. Did like, you do a tell show? Uh, I did. Yeah, right. So he's like, you know, I don't he know. He paid me he... himself. Yeah. He wrote me a check with <laughs> yeah, his name on it. I'm like, this is, I, I didn't cash it. I couldn't cash my friend's check. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I go, and instead of the S, I hit V. So it was J Moore Showtime is what I wanted to te- uh, mm-hmm. type. And I wrote J Moore V, and it came up J Moore versus. And there was like a page of people's names. Like J Moore versus, and here's the fr- J Moore versus Lynette Corolla. What? Yeah, and I'm like, well, did you ever say anything? These are people that they they spend their lives cataloging, uh, uh, what or or creating fights between people. They they like to do it. It, it was it, on Adam's message board, and it was tweets between me and Lynette. Where Lynette and I have never had a word between each other other than like, how are you? How are the twins? Great. I know Adam wants to have you on the show. Oh, great! Because I can't wait. I can't mm-hmm. get a hold of him. That was my, you know, this is no way to court You've been again. on the short show though, right? Well, on Corolla? Once. I've been trying to get back on for a very long time and vice versa. And I almost went on his, I was going to go on his network. Yeah. But there was just, I just couldn't, he's, he's other level busy. Like he's out doing sure. the stand up and this stuff. And I mean, this as the utmost compliment. Right. Like we should all be so busy and, right. you know, reaping right. the rewards of what we've sown. And I said to it was literally, you can look at it, or people could look it up. It's Jay Moore versus Lynette Girl. It's My tweet is, hey, uh, is there a better way for me to get in touch with Adam? I can't seem to get in touch with him. This is no way to court a gal. Right. And she wrote back, you should come on my show. I know he loves you. Bring Nikki if you come on. But I know he loves you and wants to talk to you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then the poster writes, to which Jay Moore responded, nope. And then there's like two pages of people going, he's always been a fucking asshole. Well, what is it then? I don't know what it is. But let's, let's go back to high school though. So you go to other towns to get laid. Yeah. And you're telling me you weren't a cocky kid. You weren't a shit starter. Well, I was I was not as cocky as I was a mouthy guy. Right. So your teachers hated you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bad. <laughs> like you, you disrupted class constantly? Not, never bad. Just uh, almost OCD, like an inability to not have an addendum to whatever was being said. So you just uh, punchlined everything, just yeah, or smart-ass. or corrected. You know, were you ever thrown out of school? Uh, yeah, I lost a wrestling match in a wrestling tournament at a very rich school, Pingree, mm-hmm. super wealthy. Yeah, and, and I lost to a guy I shouldn't have lost to. Right, uh, and then you got to sit around all day and watch everybody else wrestle. A wrestling tournament's like eight hours. Yeah, mind-numbing boredom. Unless yeah. you're wrestling, right? For five and then minutes, I went to the library and I pushed over one of the bookcases, and they all went down like in a Three Stooges movie. Yeah, and then me and this other kid, Mike Ardilla, went, "Well, fuck it!" And yeah. then we took the uh, fire extinguishers and just hosed the whole. This is like the Harvard. Of, it's pay- it's a private, private, super wealthy white white school. So you're the the match is still going on. And you're like, "Fuck it, let's go fuck some shit up." Yeah. All right. Uh, Mike Ardilla is now serving life in prison for kidnap and murder. Was your buddy? Oh, no. Just, no one was Mike Ardilla's buddy. You just knew the guy. He was the bad seed. But he was a wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. He was a bad dude. Are you keeping in touch? Or? 
<laughs> yeah, I write him. I, I'm trying to get him a bride <laughs> while he's in the joint. We right, hear something about Mike Ardilla. He fell off Brookdale School in uh, Verona. You know, tennis balls go up on the roof of the school, and yeah. there's always that guy that can like like a monkey climb up the pipe yeah. and get on the. But it was only like one floor, one yeah. story. Right. And at like 14, he fell off the school. He had a skull fracture, and like the whole town was like, that kid's never been the same ever since he fell off Brookdale Avenue School. And it was true. And when we used to run stairs in wrestling, you'd have a guy in your back, like piggyback, and you'd That's... run single file up this tiny stair long what was the point of that quads with that build quads and the guy on top i guess uh, just yeah just brutal the the point is brutal and you can't stop because you're in like like picture a line of ants yeah so if one guy stops because he's tired everyone falls down the stairs and gets injured so you just non-stop so there's always somebody coming there's just enough room for a person running down to pass the person running up and we'd play van halen one yeah and when Running With The Devil came on, yeah. we would say Ardilla yeah. for Mike Ardilla instead yeah. of Devil. Right. And we knew when he was next to us, when we were the ones saying Ardilla, he would punch us in the face. <laughs> so that was the game that made us not, you know- Some uh, weird version of musical chairs. You just don't want to be next to Mike Ardilla. Right. <laughs> so when you saw him coming down, yeah. you would start giggling and yeah. running fast, like pushing people ahead, like- <laughs> and then if you knew full well and it was just like the fun part was if you could just get past him and the guy behind you just got punched in the face and mike and he was just by rote like he didn't even do it with anger just it was just what happened and he would punch a heavyweight like a senior in the face and the senior wasn't like quit i'll fucking kick your ass it was that was the game oh shit and then turns out we were right because he uh, stabbed the kid at a party, took his girlfriend in, in Jersey and got his tires shot out in like New Mexico or something. By cops. That's yeah. a good run. So he, he stabbed a kid, took his chick, and then drove from New Jersey to New Mexico? Yeah, just railed that's out fun. on that's, coke. That's some badland shit. It is badland. It's amazing Very Nebraska. kill people on the way. He didn't kill anybody. Make sure him. my pretty baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you were kind of a dick. You, so you did the fire hose and the bookshelves. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, so I got tossed out of school for but that. But that's inspired. I mean, that's not just sort of like, hey, wh- what are we going to do? You're like, fuck it. I was always, um, there. it wasn't like a Rickles level. Like I would never just say, I, I didn't like making fun of people. I I, th- I knew that because there was a lot of bullies. It, it was Jersey Shore. It yeah. really was. My high school was Jersey but you Shore. But wouldn't, you wouldn't consider yourself a bully? Oh, no, absolutely not. I was the champion of the bullied. But let's talk about this. So like, I'm, I'm kind of hung up on this alpha male shit. Like, I'm, I've been hearing that a lot lately. Like, you know, you got into it with Rogan. I don't know what about. I've never said a word to Rogan other than hello and goodbye and good to see you about backstage at uh, April Foolishness. Well, what the hell was all the bullshit that just happened? Uh, Bert Kreischer was on Joe Rogan's podcast after being on mine maybe three times and on Rogan's three times. Bert's a good guy. You guys are friends. We used to be friends. We no longer speak. To this day? Yeah. Okay. And I'll tell you why. All right. I, I don't want to make this a bummer. I'm just curious. No. I, I don't keep up with the bullshit. It, here's it. You know what? I've said more nice things about Joe Rogan than I've said about anybody in my professional career because I wanted to stay above the fray. <laughs> and I, and Joe is like the head of the snake when it comes to like this podcast thing. Like Joe is the fucking guy. Yeah. And Joe's a guy that I've always liked and admired. And the He's fact a guy that he, you don't want to piss off, that's for sure. Well, no, I've always... And you know what? I've, I've never said this on a podcast, but yeah. I, was, I used to say it in private to my friends. I yeah. said, 
There's two guys I know. Chappie from Boston, yeah. my buddy Chappie. I remember Chappie. Chapman. Yeah. If you gave me a baseball bat and the first shot, there's yeah. only two men alive. Yeah. One is Chappie. Yeah. The other one is Joe Rogan. Yeah. Where I would lay the bat down on the ground and go, nah, it's okay. You win. <laughs> Anyone else, you go, I don't give a fucking papa. You just crack him across the yeah. face. Yeah. Uh, Bert used to do, Bert told me a Tracy Morgan story that happened to Bert. I know this story. This is the whole, the big night story, right? That's how you get out of paying for the check, Bert. Yeah. And Bert told me that story on the, we were going to San Francisco, we were in San Francisco at Cobbs. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, we were at Cobbs. And I said, you have to tell that story on stage. He goes, I can't do it, Tracy Morgan. Mark, I swear to God, yeah. I have two sons. Did- I swear to God on four eyes. Yeah. Both of my sons, yeah. sets of eyes. Yeah. This is the God's honest truth. Yeah. I swear to God, I will not roll this or put light in anyone. Because every story, you put 20% perception your way, right. 15 that way to right. make it a little more fair. This is exactly what happened. Bert said, you've got to tell that story on stage. Uh, I said to Bert, you've yeah. got to tell that story yeah. on stage. Bert said, I can't do a Tracy Morgan impression. You Will you do it? You do it. I said, tonight? He goes, you have to do it. Okay. Yeah. We're at Cobbs. Uh, I do it. Who's the redheaded gal? Cops. Molly, Molly, that everybody's in love with. Yeah, Molly uh, was there. I think even Jeff Wills was there. Yeah, back when he was Probably. still involved. Yeah, I do it, and as I'm doing it, it's destroying so hard. I look to Bert and I say, "How are you not doing this on stage? This yeah. is absurd." Second show Friday, you're going to do Tracy again, right? Yeah. Uh, really? You got? I want you have to. Okay, Saturday, you can do Tracy. Yeah, Saturday, second show. You can do Sunday, do Tracy. Yeah. Will you do Tracy? Okay. This is Bert. He just wants to watch Th- you do it. He wants to watch me do it. Yeah. The Were ne- you saying this happened to a friend of mine? I said, th- my friend Bert, you know, Bert was just up yeah. here. Bert was with Tracy Morgan. That's right. how you get out. And the punchline was, right. that's how you get out of paying for the check, Bert. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. Like, there's no following that. Yeah. So I would just get off stage. Then the next weekend, we're in Irvine. Yeah. Dan Godfrey, yeah. the manager of the Irvine Improv, was at the table, as was my wife, when Bert said to me, you're going to do Tracy again this weekend, right? So now we're going up to 12 shows where Bert's saying, so then the week after that, I just kept doing it. Yeah. Always as Bert, always as Bert, always yeah. as Bert. Now, this is where my... my have, have you hashed this out before? I mean, did you go on I've Joe's? Ex- I talked about it with Greg Fitzsimmons. And right. every time, here's the thing. Joe has invited me on the podcast twice and then rescinded the offer. So now I kind of feel like Charlie Brown with the football. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you need to come on. We need to hug this shit out. This is yeah. nonsense. And then I go, okay, great. And then you don't hear anything. Yeah. And then, so, okay. So this is where my fearless moral inventory of myself comes into play. Are you in the racket? Yeah. Uh-huh. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. Hmm. I was going, I was about to ask you when you were on my podcast. For what? Which one? About the racket. Yeah. But I mean, in the, you know, you, uh, there's many of them. You, you don't, uh, you're sober? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good for you. But I was, I didn't realize how dry a drunk I was until about a year ago. So that's when you kicked in? Uh, no, I went back. I just went back and reapplied myself. Sure. And you can always I, just show up. Yeah. Well, I, I was showing up here and there, but yeah. I realized I'm just full of shit. Not working the shit. And when I went back and took that moral, that fearless moral inventory, I realized I am a fucking egomaniac that, I mean, Axl Rose doesn't have shit on me. Isn't that interesting, though, that fucking, that 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 exercise, you know, without, you know, uh, you know 
press radio and films, whatever. That exercise or that moral inventory, if you do it, I think. And those who know what we're talking about know what we're talking about, and those that we don't, there's yeah. you're just we're but just the, the looking columns, yourself. the columns, man. You know yeah. the the yeah yeah fuck it. I mean I I'm I'm open about it. It's uh it's fucking step four in any of the twelve step programs, whatever your rack, whatever your problem is. But this thing is genius. It was designed after a business. You're in center. more than one. Well, no, I'm not. But I mean, you said I, which I could one? be. Like well, no, there's a degenerate plenty. gambler. No, no, there's plenty. There's plenty. You could be in, in any number. Addicts, we're fine. It's those fucking gamblers. They yeah, really got to get their acts yeah. together. Hey, how about those codependents, man? Thank God oh, for them. But God, I got the Rangers yeah. winning in the over. Like, what, you, then you have a fucking problem. I just like oh, to get high. Yeah, though. There's some. But, My dentist hands me Vicodin. What's your fucking problem? Right, but you get it though. I mean, like you know, any of the things, whatever, whether it's food, other people, uh, gambling, whatever the fucking thing is, you get that juice. You know, what food's I mean? yeah. the hardest thing of all time because uh, you have to eat to live. So it is weird. Like that's tough, man. And people that are bipolar that have to quit Ugh. it's like take these six pills yeah or you're gonna murder someone but if you take seven we got to take you to the nut house <laughs> like that's a fucking tough i'm being yeah no, I, I know i know that's a tough hustle somebody's oh, yeah. bipolar yeah. or borderline yeah. personality yeah. disorder you must take you know remron and like this one is selexa yeah take yeah. fucking lithium yeah yeah but yeah. if you take xanax well you then yeah, we have to have an intervention <laughs> you're in trouble that's a complete mind all right so but, but the moral for, inventory yeah. is is that uh, you say you know i you know i am uh you know uh, i am mad at this guy for this reason uh you know and, and uh, this is how it affected me and this is my part in it so there's four columns and then if you do a thorough one and you look at that fourth column you know exactly what kind of asshole you are because right. the character defect will just be the same one over and over again. Right. What are my What are my shortcomings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What is all this? So the okay. So you found that you were a fucking uh, self centered ego fucking Dave, maniac. David Lee Roth, Axl Rose combined. Yeah. Apparently. Well, that's well that would have answer, nothing on me. Right. Well, that would answer your asshole question. That would answer why people go that guy's a dick. Uh, sure. Yeah. But the problem being, I I can't conscious i can consciously do it but that would make me a phony remove confidence from inside me approaching a situation because that's why i'm successful at all but but confidence is confidence can come from two different places right either you're, you're genuinely confident i'm like i you know I, i'm good with myself or you're overcompensating right right i was never overcompensating you always felt good about yourself i was born that way Sometimes, to quote the to quote my wife, yeah. sometimes it's just the fucking way your hard drive is installed. Yeah, no, I get it. You're wired that it's way. It's a fucking sunny day, man. Let's get after it. Let's yeah? go do it. Let's do where, it. Where the fuck does that come from? You I know, was born that way. But you, you, you must have been- And I got two sisters. I got one sister that'll tell you she was shortchanged with life. Yeah. And she's owed a goddamn apology by the system. And yeah. by a, I got another sister. If her house had no ceiling, yeah. she would tell you how nice the walls look. <laughs> And that's how I am. So the one sister got the the short end of the stick with oh, the wiring. She's fucking miserable. Just self pitying and horrible and oh, bitter. Mad, mean mostly. Just yeah, mean. And you think it was because what your your mother was nice or what? I mean, yeah. You, I you, just think it's how your hard drive is installed. I just, well, I yeah, just think but I'm someone's the got to install line. it, in right? Yeah, I mean, a you're higher saying power. In, you're saying in utero. You sure. Got yeah, some people are born fucking depressed. You know, it's it's right. nature versus nurture. But you feel comfortable with yourself. Yeah. All right. All right, so anyway, so this thing with uh, Bert, so that's fucking- So my my inventory was uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an absolute egomaniac to the point where like if I call a radio show yeah. and, or like, like, it, like when I check those iTunes charts, yeah. I, I'm like, how did I, 
how, how did I get to eight? Like, what <laughs> no, the fuck? You can't rely. I check them too, and, and but the, the number's based on something weird. I know, yes, on iTunes, it's a weird it's algorithm not, they have worked out. Yeah. But I realized- You did I'm, that research. That's funny. We all say the same thing. No, it's an algorithm. I don't even know what the fucking algorithm is, but I'm like, it's got, you know, some, you know, it's not right. It's do you not, really not know what an algorithm is? No. It's a math problem that goes linearly. A logarithm is a math problem that goes- Yeah, but it doesn't explain anything to me. So, okay, so it's a weird algorithm. So uh, give me an example of how that would equate you being number eight. New subscriptions. Okay. New, subs- not subscriptions. Like, like today. Because you got more subscriptions. You, you you are the top of the chain all the time. You get new subscriptions. When people say like, what podcast should I listen to? Everyone says WTF. New subscriptions plus rankings. Yeah. Meaning like you actually put five stars mm. plus comment uh-huh. equals rankings. As, right, appo- so. as opposed to the actual, the number itself should be the ranking. Right. Whatever. So, okay. So my egomania, I am complete dry drunk. Yeah. Which I, means you're a control freak. I decided- And aggravated. I thought to myself, the audience wants this to have had happened to me. Right. So after doing all the shows with Bert, and that we're talking about a, mo- a brief, brief, a brief amount of time right. where I said, I'm out with Tracy Morgan. Right. And he goes, that's how you get out of paying for the check, right. Jay Moores. Yeah, yeah. That's the closing bit. Yeah. Uh, Bert, so you made an adjustment and stole the story. Exactly. Right. I said to my wife what I was doing. She said, you can't do that. That's stealing. Which wife? My wife. The new one. There's only one's been annulled, brother. There's only one. Oh, okay. There's only one wife. Come sorry, on. Sorry, sorry. The good one. Yeah, the one that the I'm right not. one. I'm just trying soulmate. to get a timeline on this. My, now. All right. Uh she said, You can't do that. That's that's stealing. And that's I and I said to her to her but I think the audience wants it to have happened to me, you know? Like I'm t- like So I've, you're selling it to yourself. You're rationalizing. You're yeah, chipping like a, away. Like at a crazy it. person. Bert'll understand. Now, I don't even know if I thought about Bert. Well, see, that's a problem. Because Bert, yeah. hand, Bert, in all intents and purposes, Bert, I wouldn't be doing this unless Bert insisted me do this over and over and over and over, like a rat hitting the fucking No, I, I get that. But if you had one of those times, like if the third time you did it, you said it happened to you, Bert would have said, Dad, that didn't happen to you. That is correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, so then I switch it back. Yeah. Then uh, Bert goes to... Shit, uh, this whole fucking podcast is going to be me rehashing the story and then it's going to be more fucking hate, hate tweets from the Joe Rogan Well, no, we, we don't have to do that. I mean, I, you know... It, it but I would like... Any any chance I can say my side because one side is so aggressive and so like, you fucking steal more. Men see him more. You steal. And it's like, come see my show. I don't steal dick. Here's... I'll, st- I'll steal dick if given the opportunity. I love dick. <laughs> A bag of dicks, Gone gone can't stop yourself can't yeah. stop won't stop <laughs> yeah uh, one bag leads to another bag that's right <laughs> one bag's too many and 50 <laughs> bags of dick ain't enough yeah. so i switch it back yeah. bert i do my showtime special i do my encore and i tell that story of uh, the bert the right way bert version this happened to my friend bert kreischer yeah. one of the best comics you'll ever see in your Great life guy yeah uh, Bert goes to Amsterdam and the guy from Showtime goes, oh, you're Bert from Jay Moore's Tracy Morgan story. And all the comics around Bert go, wait, what? Wait, oh, what, what? 
and just starts this weird thing of yeah, that's not comics. cool. That he's Aren't not, they great? They, he's not they, telling the story. That's not cool. Every that's day's your story. high school in the comedy community. And Bert told him, no, I told him to tell the story. Right. And Bert told me on my podcast, and I quote, anyone fucking look it up, not you, just yeah. listener. Bert said on my podcast, anybody that thinks, and he said this on Rogan's podcast, and this is a quote, anybody that thinks Jay stole from me is fucking retarded. That's a quote from Bert. Bert goes on Rogan's podcast and they just, after like two and a half hours of hanging with Bert, Joe yeah. just goes, so do you want to talk about it? Or, yeah. uh, and Bert goes, you know, and they mentioned the Tracy Morgan story and Bert goes, here's the thing. It's a, it's a story I never really wanted told, you know? It's, and I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm watching this, by the way, because yeah. Joe has that Ustream yeah. account. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, you know, because... And this is where it all goes south. Joe goes, because it didn't happen to you. It, hap it, it didn't happen to him. It happened to you. And that's stealing. Bert just lets it go. And then Joe just continues a conversation about stealing. And then I called Bert and said, how you could have said, no, that's not stealing. I told Jay to say it. Yeah. So Bert never said anything bad about me. He just never said, no, it's not well, stealing. I why don't you guys speak anymore? Obviously, Bert has some unresolved shit regarding me. Yeah. Because otherwise, he would have gotten in front of it. Yeah. And I said to Bert, I, I kind of need you to either send maybe a tweet. Mm -hmm. Something needs to be said <laughs> to the effect of Jay doesn't steal. Uh, and and I, I texted Bert wa live while he was on Joe's. I'm watching Joe's podcast and Bert's sitting there. And I said, can you ever imagine me being in a room where people were talking shit about you and not defending you? Well, I think the big problem was when you you made the transition for however long you made the transition to making it about you. That that was, absolutely, and and then you know that that was a, that was a regret. A regret. Uh, you had permission to tell and one that I admitted very openly on Opie and Anthony. I admit, like I was yeah, always. All right. I think one of my biggest mistakes is maybe is admitting when shit's gone south publicly. Because if you just keep that shit in, that's the other thing about the internet and about podcasting. Until you put a light on it, no one knows it exists. Like people listening to this right now are going, who's Bert Kreischer? Who's Joe Rogan? Like there's a whole, not. I'm not saying anything derogatory about Bert and Joe. I'm just saying like people, until you put, this is what I've figured, seen with my own eyes. Until you put a light on a situation in podcast land, pretty much your audience and my audience and they really don't know what the fuck's going on they just listen to this because they drive trucks and right yeah they, they, they're a fan of you they're, and fan they're like of me wait what what's going on yeah well it's that whole radio war thing too that there there was uh, i think a time in radio especially regionally where you know people would you know start shit with the other radio stations yeah. you know to generate you know i don't i don't really play that shit but i guess i mean from from where i'm sitting and i don't know you know i know that story but i mean you've had these issues before I think you talked about it in your book with Rick, right? Yeah. And that was like, you know, it's just a matter of how the brain works. I mean, it, it, there was a time in comedy where, you know, guys would be about to go up and one guy would say, are you doing the bit tonight or am I? Like there wasn't, you know, there wasn't this uh, this idea that, uh, that people weren't as proprietary or as, uh, you know, as personal. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that that little thing in your brain that enables you to do that, that's a question. You know, what is that? I mean, what happened with Shapiro? That was a character, but you made up with him, right? Oh no, he—he's very angry. Oh. I wrote a book with a full mea culpa, saying Rick Shapiro. When I was on, see now, you know, it, it, if you if you've done something twice, then I guess the shoe fits. 
<laughs> then I guess I like we've now on like in a very short amount of time, and, and through no fault of yours, going like, well, there's the Bert situation. Now what about the thing when you admitted to stealing Rick? Like then I then more of me goes, yeah, what the fuck is this? <laughs> more M O H. Sure. You know, uh, the Rick Shapiro thing was I was on Saturday Night Live about to be fired because I had nothing on the air ever. Yeah. And then Rick Shapiro had a character of the Irish bartender. I remember that. And I wrote it up verbatim and I handed in like just at least it's good enough that I'm handing something because I had to hand it in a sketch. They fucking pick it to be on the air. And it's one of those situations do I go, I just lifted this because... I hadn't written anything and I knew you guys were going to fire me or do I just ride it out and hope that Rick Shapiro doesn't watch or any of his friends watch Saturday Night Live and they put it on the air. So that's a tough decision to make. That's almost like a... It's not a tough decision to make. You don't fucking steal and Rick and I used to go get lunch together and like... No, you guys were friends. I mean, because you, you know, Rick was in a, he's an impressive talent but I, but I mean, the, the decision I'm telling you is that, you know, out of desperation, you had nothing of your own to offer, you panicked, you did that, you knew that was wrong, right? Right. And then, you know, and, 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 then, I, and a, a New York Times bestselling book saying, I did the unthinkable. Right. I stole. Yeah. End of chapter. New chapter. Right. Rick Shapiro is a fantastic comic. Yeah. In the Lower East Side. Like, I really lay it all out and lay all the kudos out to Rick. So. So do you, you so what do you, uh, uh, well, because a lot of people wonder, there's always that question. And I guess we're talking about it. It wasn't, wasn't my plan because I. I, you know, despite what anyone thinks, and, and, and certainly on this show, you know, I don't court controversy. I don't, you know, when I interviewed Mencia, I had to do it twice because I didn't address anything with him the first time. But um, but it wasn't my intention. But I think it's an interesting thing that, you know, you're, you're, you're one of the only people that's open about it. So what do you think in those two? See, I've seen men see a cop to it on the docu- on a documentary. Very, but it was weird. It was what? You're I, goddamn right I'm taking that shit. Right, but it it almost seemed like you know, I I it wasn't didn't play well. Well, there was no contrition in it. There was no thoughtful in it. You know, it was almost like you didn't know if he was just being a dick or whether he was really copping to it. I I didn't get the sense. There was no discussion around the, it. The weird thing is, there's two situations, literally twenty years apart, with you, right? That I was super open and public about. If anyone ever came to see my stand up show, they would say. This not only is this not stolen, this is incredibly it's incredibly personal. It's it's kind of at times very touching. It's one man show ish. And of course there's the impressions, you know, Norm and Tracy and Walk in and yeah, fucking Kite sure, Cal and I sure. from the food. And you would sit as an audience member and say, If you if you were in court with, and you were sworn in with your hand on the Bible, you would say I, I would say it is absolutely impossible a syllable of that is stolen. Whatsoever. No, no, absolutely. And I, you know, I and, and I'm not arguing with that. You're right. you're a funny guy, you're a great impressionist, you're a great performer and and you know, you're uh unique and people love you. There's no doubt about that. And it's a, it's a shame in a lot of ways that if once somebody is contrite, admits their mistakes that you know, there's still this 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 kind of momentum to kind of keep the hate going. But what I'm curious about is that you know, what do you think in terms of like uh, having taken a moral inventory and, and made those decisions? What do you think it was inside you that made it okay for you to do that? I an, mean, ins- an insatiable need for the people in front of me to be happy at that moment. Right. And also for your own success. Uh, I don't think 
I, I'm being completely honest with you. I don't think I thought it two steps ahead. I thought these people in front of me right now, I need to kill. Like if I, but you were killing when it was with Bert. You were killing. You know what I mean. You were killing when you were using. You were saying. It's yeah, but Bert me from. changing it to me doesn't really like help my career. No, but I mean, but it does. You know, it, it puts you at the oh, center of the and story. And real quick, the the negativity that you're talking about, it really only comes from one very specific spout. It really only comes from that spot, which is it's a it's a very powerful faucet from where many opinions flow well what do you think that what but do you those think those fans those are the that's really the only place where it happens but wait have you thought about where that comes from because i can't you know yeah because I, a guy on his podcast said no that's no no stealing. no i know that but i mean what 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 purpose is is that serving you know like i i'm not always clear on that that you know to me you know people what purpose does it serve for bert to go on twice say Anybody thinks that Jay stole from me is retarded, and then have him on a third time to rehash it again. Yeah, it's. I think Bert obviously has some unresolved shit with me because Bert. I emailed Bert. I, you know, I, I've been I've been called to the mat for saying things on Twitter to yeah. people's like you don't take that to Twitter. Like, well, why not? <laughs> well, you don't. You just don't. I've learned, but I didn't know you don't. And I've emailed and texted Bert privately saying, I mean, people think I steal shit because of this thing that you said on, that you didn't say on Rogan's show. And that, and I, I direct messaged Joe uh, and said, uh, you know, I don't steal. That's, that, that's the longest shadow possible to be cast upon a comic. To say like, you know, in college he raped a chick. Like, yeah, but he's, a, he's funny. Yeah. But to say that a guy steals is that's i think that i think that casts the longest shadow right but but you're saying that like there were these two instances where that happened and and this is why they both happened and and you know i don't do it and i you know i i apologize and that's that doesn't make it right was was the knee-jerk response that everyone's gonna give that doesn't mean it's fucking right he's a fucking shit and what's with his wife yeah, I don't, I don't know about that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, when I, it was interesting because when, when I first saw you in, in New York, you were like twelve, and you know, you showed up this wonder kind from New Jersey. You know, you remember? Yeah. But Barry Katz had, uh, I think, found you at a high school. <laughs> Man, I really was impressed that uh, you got that guy to take a stalling call and win the match four three. Have you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy, man? You should go up in your singlet and say you got to be home to do homework. It'll kill, man. So what? when you first started, you were pretty funny pretty quickly. I mean, I remember the jokes and I remember your confidence. And and then, like, there was, um, like, how did it all unfold for you? I mean, so you did comedy for, what, two or three years before you got the big break or what? I, I think... If you have a big break, you're doing it wrong. I think all of us have about 20 or 30 big, quote, big breaks. Uh, MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour came when I was 19. So that's, but we all did that, though. I mean, that, well, yeah, that's a that's, big break. Is it? I mean, there, you know, when it, you're 19? But everything seems like a big break until everyone fucking does the show. It was a big break for me right. because then I can go perform at colleges. You, mm-hmm. you have a resume, you have a line mm-hmm. on your resume. And you've been doing comedy, what, three years? Uh, yeah, yeah, three years. 16 you started. Comedy, yeah. But also it wasn't the confidence too. Early on, I guess I was about, I was 18 years old. I did an Arsenio Hall impression. 
And I remember in the impre- all my other impressions were pretty straightforward, like Andrew Ooh, McCarthy. What, what was your yeah? Like, what's that about? Yeah. I heard uh, there you was in a movie or something, and something happened. It was all crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, what's that about? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Give it up yeah. for Robert De Niro. <laughs> you was in like Raging Bull or something. Y'all was boxing. Crazy, man. <laughs> uh, but Lyle Alzado had gone on Arsenio and cry on his, like a week before he died of, right. you know, everything, Brain cancer. Is, everything broke down in his body from a horrible, ravaged steroid body. And I did an impression of Arsenio interviewing him. And then I, I actually cried. I thought, you know what? I can get into acting by doing comedy. I can act on stage and people, it'll be like my own play. So I would act out Lyle Alzado crying and I would actually make myself cry and then I would swing it back to our center. Like, and I knew I would never do drugs or, you know, I'm not obviously not doing steroids ever again. Yeah. (laughs) And then it would just be like, if the crowd was like, what the fuck is going on? And then I would just shift in my seat and I realized they know I'm Arsenio just from me changing my posture. Like, this is kind of powerful stuff. Yeah. And then I would go, yeah, you play for the Raiders or something? <laughs> What's the Raiders like? Oakland in the house. <laughs> and the place would go fucking bananas. Right. But it was at, it was a real early age that I realized they were only going bananas because of the, Switch ab- up. the abyss of silence I had created. Right. And then it wasn't as much confidence. I think it's the addict mentality of... I got addicted to that making silences and pulling them back out. No, but that's uh, that's just craft. I mean, you know, I mean, there's no, I mean, you can say it's addiction, but at some point you had a natural innate sense of timing and that the way you structured, I mean, impressionists have always been part of show business and it's a very impressive skill and people love it and people love it when people do something different with it. It's one thing to just, you know, do a voice and like he does that voice really good, but to create a stage where you're doing a couple of voices and you're obviously scripting beats in your head and you realize that that silence is going to be relieved by this amazing switch up. Yeah. I mean, that's like joke writing. That's like a turn of phrase. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the same thing. And I think that, you know, to in, in your defense that... It, it, it's weird that both of the accusations of stealing were really to service an impression. And that, you, you know, when you talk about it, because I remember seeing you early on, I remember, you know, you definitely had jokes. You weren't just an impressionist. You know, you had the haunted house I, joke. And I had, never, I to this day don't consider myself an impressionist. I can do six voices. Well, you just I, did two that you don't do anymore. So that's eight. I said do. Right. You know, I mean, plus, you know, Andrew McCarthy and Arsenio Hall would be like... Oh, I remember the Andrew McCarthy. Know. That was just a face, wasn't it? I love her, man. Yeah, it's a weird face. <laughs> it's just because it helped got, that I looked a little like him looked at the time. Like him. But yeah, like, I, I'm I'm a guy, I can close with Norm Kite. You know, I just like spin the wheel, like Elvis Costello on tour will just spin the wheel of hits and wherever it lands, that's what he plays. Right. I know at the end of my show, like an old switchboard operator... I know my last four holes, I got Walken, I got Norm, and I got Tracy. So so then, okay, so from there you did the colleges, but then you know you were on SNL for two seasons, three? How long? Two. Just two? Yeah. Uh, I got hired with Attell and Sarah and Norm. And you, what was your experience with Lauren like? Sarah McLaughlin, I got hired. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And we really just needed to save animals and <laughs> yeah, make sure they were safe. She spayed. didn't fit in the cast. They didn't know what to do. They just it. wanted us to really help save homeless, runny-eyed cats. Was no, was Lauren- and you should say if you're listening, save as many animals as possible because I have dying, yeah, dying. I well, I'm all for. Have, I have many animals. Yeah. And I think uh, dying children yeah. really love when you show them healthy animals. Sure, it's very nice. Like, yeah. look, I just spayed and neutered my pet. 
Sorry about your iron lung, Timmy. Yeah. But look, he's a Shih Tzu. Yeah. He only has one eye. Yeah. He's got one eye, and I helped him. Yeah, that's that good. Made you smile. I have two eyes, and I can't see because I'm yeah. dying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So Norm, what was our what? Sorry. Uh, oh, Lorne. Lorne Michaels. I oddly had no. At the end of the day, Lorne, out of hundreds of thousands of comics, went. I choose him. Yeah. And that's never been lost on me. Yeah. So. I mean, I could rant and rave about like my my shit not getting on the air, but at the end of the day, I just wasn't. I did not. I was not the best representative of myself the two years I was there, and Lauren had really. I well, see, that's the thing. You don't know how much Lauren. My favorite is yours. Yours. I don't know what they're doing below 14th Street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I say that to anyone that'll listen. Like, if you think that's funny, Mark Maron's got the best one of all time. <laughs> Just yeah. being dismissive yeah, of a third of an island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what's happening. Um, yeah, so Lorne hired me, I guess. And then behind closed doors, I don't know what he said about me, but we were always sort of friendly. And No one has ever said a bad fucking word about that guy on this show. You realize that? I've asked no, everybody. I don't. Because no, no, I always no. thought people only say never, bad things about never. him. never. Never publicly. In, I've heard I, people just destroy, like Julia Sweeney, and it's my, like an uncle that molested you paying for college. Yeah, but I never interviewed her. But in this room, no one, you know, I, my, I, I, know, I have this perverse obsession. You want them with, to. Yeah, I just want someone to say one shitty thing. He fingered me. Oh, thank you. Lauren <laughs> Michaels fingered me. <laughs> fingered Jay Moore. I never told anybody that before. Well, but was it worth it? I mean. Because I made it up and I stole it from a girl. <laughs> But I remember once, Jay, do you know my office has its own bathroom? <laughs> and like, and the next thing I know, prostate. Yeah. <laughs> he milked, he, we call this milking the, some people call this finger blasting your ass. In the, uh, out in Montauk, we call it prostate milking. Belushi enjoyed this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not John, Jim. <laughs> John, I can never get John in here. <laughs> John didn't use the bathroom often. <laughs> we call this prostate milking when you get visually uh, west of Patchog. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I went into his office once because I was so upset with not being used and I had a legal pad. Were you crying? No, no. I waited. I should have. Maybe that would have worked. And I had a yellow legal pad of all my demands of what had to change if I was going to stay on the show. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were calling you. So I guess the confidence was always like, you know what? This is bull. You know what? But it's rational. Like, right. I, here's things written down. <laughs> a, B, C, itemized, numbered. Like, these are things that are fucking bullshit, man. Man, mm -hmm. other shit has come to light, man. We made the fucking drop. <laughs> the editorial we, man. Um, so I, they go, Lauren, we'll see you now. I, I mean, I waited hours. Yeah. And then you just keep getting closer and there's like a wall of secretaries and there's another wall. Yeah, another. Yeah, so I, it was like getting close to Kenneth. back I did that once, day. yeah. And then finally uh, they go, you can go on in, but his door is still closed. And it's just very like, don't fucking come in. It's like mm. the city wall. Mm. And then I push his door open and it catches on his carpet, which had never happened ever before. And I don't think Aaron, his secretary, had to have carpet problems. Mm -hmm. So it got about like, I don't know, 11 inches open on the arc. Yeah. And I have a decision to make. Do I just squeeze my body through? Do I fucking like a linebacker just drill his door and make his carpet go up and risk abending the coffee table with, oh, you broke my Rothko. <laughs> So I squeeze through, uh, I slither through, I get down on my hands and knees, Mark, with my back, he's sitting at his desk, and I have to unroll his, I'm now inside his office on my hands and knees, unrolling his carpet away from the door, and measuring how much of a roll will let the door accompany its arc. Yeah. 
and I do it. I'm pretty proud of my estimation yeah. because it worked. And I slide the door all the way open and then I unroll the carpet back and then I slide the door because now I can slide the door over the carpet because it's right. going back towards its hinge yeah. and it clicks shut. I stand up, turn around. He's standing exactly in front, like a monster movie. Yeah, it's right He's standing there. right in front of me. He goes, I understand you wanted to talk to me about some complaints. <laughs> now, now I got to go pick my fucking yellow notebook paper <laughs> off the ground and find my pencil like like when the girl in Scooby-Doo loses her glasses. I'm rooting around. <laughs> like, Isn't it amazing how heightened it is that you remember all those details that, you know, you, that the processes you go through all these different doors, all these different receptionists, and that just that moment of that door is like heightened to the point where you like remember every fucking moment of it because you're about to confront that guy? Yeah, I'm... I'm I've always, I, people always tell me I have an odd memory of things. And then it was, my wife said, oh, I know why. And I said, why? She goes, because you never had a job longer than two years. So everything gets remembered. But it's Whereas, also Lauren Michaels. You're on a like, sitcom for five years and then another sitcom for five years. And then you're on Las Vegas for six years. You don't remember shit. It's all just glopped together. But if you're on Saturday Night Live for two years and then don't work for three years, and then you're on, you know, Jerry Maguire for 14 days you just kind of maybe that's why but i remember sitting there waiting and then tracy morgan was waiting with me at some yeah. point i'm but, gonna get mark Marin pregnant yeah but all i remember was that his hair was perfect yeah. like it was like you know it was shiny it was like i'd seen him before school. It, was, it, it was tight man that 19 like mid 80s afro well it, it was already a resurgence i think he he really jim did. hill does it on the news here in la he's yeah. got he refuses to get rid of yeah the and afro it, it was it was just did perfect. tracy have his shirt on or off it was everything was on he was focused and together and grateful and like you know happy to be there and very polite i'm the anti-tim meadows <laughs> He didn't even say, like, I didn't sense a, a, an ounce of arrogance in his being. I'm scared, Lord Michaels. <laughs> I'm scared of what I could do to America on the airwaves. If this is live, you're going to need a delay like Richard Pryor's gold shoes on. <laughs> uh, so I told him, look, I got some, uh, and he goes, look, you're the future of the show. We all know it. So just sit tight. Ask Mike Myers. Uh... And some of the other guys that have been around a while, it's uh, it's a waiting game. It's just the way the corporate world works. But um, we have big plans for you. So you didn't even get to your pad? Ne I never picked it up off the floor. <laughs> no, I got the pad up. I never found my pencil. Did you sit down or was this all standing? No, and I had to fu that fucking prick let me unroll the carpet to get out. He did. Yep. So after you talked to you. He goes behind his desk and I don't know, like this is pre like everyone automatically goes on the internet. Yeah. So you just hands behind the head like, you let yourself out. Yeah. Tell Aaron when you're done. <laughs> and I had to unroll it like a like the world's biggest furriest joint. I had to unroll his carpet to get out. And then uh, I wasn't on for, and then I wasn't on for the next four shows. And then I said, well, Who's a comic no one really knows that I could steal a bit that probably won't get traced back to them? You know, it's fucking Rick Shapiro. And Rick Shapiro, I, I told him in the book, if I ever see him on the street, I'll tell him, my God, I am so sorry. But I saw a YouTube clip of Rick Shapiro going, people go, yeah, but he apologized. He wrote a book. He, apo he didn't fucking apologize to me. I haven't seen you, Rick. I apologize, but on the this it sounds pretty ephemeral to just on a podcast go, Rick, I'm really sorry, but I am it's it's deplorable. So it's kinda it's 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 interesting to me that I wonder let's talk about your career in that way. So, you know, you you 
you got you were fired from SNL? It's always it's always ambiguous. We want to extend you to June fifteenth, and then you know what? We need till June, July tenth. Now we just, need to July thirtieth. No Can you wait that. till August thirteenth? Yeah. And you go no. Yeah. And they go okay, good. Right. So you don't know. So you fired yourself. Even that you don't know. Right. Yeah. They, they yeah. still fuck you on the way out. But like from what I can see, because you know we're we, we're gonna be able to cover it all in detail, that there was an arc there that you know you were whether you know it or not, you were ambitious, you were focused, you were hungry, and you, you had yeah. a lot of charisma, a lot of power, and you know you got you know you got into Jerry Maguire, right, and yeah. that was big, and then you had a you know I saw you in Go, you did a couple other movies. Are you yes. writing? Are you writing? I just want to. I just thought of something. Go ahead. And there there was an arc there where I think. Like what I'm getting at now is that your career um, has ended. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I think that the plan was, and I think that what you saw at one point in time that you were going to have a big movie career. I thought I was going to be name above the title guy. Right. Yeah. And that was the goal, and there was no reason not to think that, given you know, given what you were doing. And, and Jerry Maguire, picture perfect. You go, okay, I've set myself up perfectly for. And what happened? I just realized, as you said this, I've had an epiphany. Uh, SNL didn't work for me because it got in the way of my confidence. Maybe that's right. SNL put an absolute- Made you insecure. It made me completely insecure and really like just stopped the entire train and said, we're, like when you're on the tarmac and they go, we're just going to sit here for a while and you go, well, what's a while? How long is a while? How but long it, are we on the tarmac? Because I need to take off because I got shit I need to do. So what is, how long is the wait? How long, because I don't want to play the bailiff and hand something to fucking, you know, uh, Phil Hartman with no lines for two years. That's not why I'm here. Well, I think that's why, you know, I think that's why you you probably stole in both instances is that you decided that, uh, you know, in that moment that this was going to, you know, make the difference and it wasn't your shit. Just basically the Joe Biden of comedy. <laughs> if I can just take from Bobby Kennedy to deliver this tits out speech. Yeah. In '88, yeah, it'll put oh oh they they did fact checking and from mm, well see in ten years, <laughs> but that's what it comes from. It's like uh, what I got ain't good enough. I'm going to do it this way. I suppose it it's still abhorrent. All right, well the so the arc is so it, it didn't work out, and then you know you, you you I mean you still make money in show business. You're a popular actor. You did the uh, what is it, the Ghost Whisperer. You did your mm -hmm. show, The Gary's Not Married. What happened there? Was that is, I guess it just didn't make enough money to stay in the air. I, I liked it. For, I mean, it's a half, it's a sitcom, so I mean, it is what it is. And when you, just, you when you were in an ensemble, especially in that show, are you a nice guy to your crew and your staff? And you know, I would say, I I I would say I'd, I would probably have a a ninety nine percent approval rating with anybody in television I've ever worked with. Yeah, you seem dubious. <laughs> <laughs> you never never hurt any feelings never i'm well aware of the fact that what we're doing is absurd and that goes back to action right like now that was like that was supposed to be i remember that that got a lot of hype it was like you know this is what it no one watched it if it, yogi berra said if people don't want to come we can't stop how them. is ron zimmerman do you keep in touch we've direct messaged on twitter a little bit yeah and is i he said all right? i i don't know i said he can come on the podcast if he brings share share he dates share does he he fucking dates shit. Ron Zimmerman pulled share. Huh. That's unbelievable. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. I don't, I don't know what he's up to. Uh, I knew, and you know what? From working with Tom Cruise on Jerry Maguire, watching him and whatever you think about him now. Who, Tom? Yeah. I was with him 
a long time ago every day for 30 days. And I mean 15 hours a day every day. You see the cracks. You see people go screwy and get nutty and be like, like, well, where the fuck is Then where is it? If it's not here is all I'm saying. Never. Knew everyone. Hey, Mark. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt, that cat, that's not your cat. Like he, like that's after being separated from you for like a month, he'd come back and go, that's a lot of, you know, that's nice. I noticed coming up to five and you're like, why does Tom Cruise know this much about me? And every person's name and being on time and being polite. And I went, wow, like that's how you behave. And then you do a movie like a TV movie or something like Jimmy Woods, where he's literally like calling people cunts. And you go, oh my God, if that was my first movie, that's how I would act for the next 20 years. So Tom Cruise to me was always like that. When you see documentaries about like a college coach that really put a kid on the right, like made him go to class and son, you can't like the John Wooden type guy. Like that's how he was with me. So I, I, I was well aware of the fact on my first movie that the people that are not acting work 100 times is an understatement. 100 times harder than any of the actors. The actors get to take naps. You show up. They say, what would you like for breakfast? We're not going to need you for three hours. When you go lay down, what would you like for lunch? Hey, there's a hot dog truck. You want me to get you something? Do you want coffee? How are you? Oh, you're sick? Let's bring a doctor to you to make sure this keeps going. Where's the crew guys at lunch? These guys, fuck, they're fucking gassed. And hair and makeup got to get there an hour before you and they got to stay after everyone's wrapped. So I guess Tom... Cruz showed me through example. This is a very long answer to your question. Have you, have you ever lost it on a set? I don't have a specific. Sure, it'd be ridiculous to say no, but I can. I'm positive that if I ever lost it on a set, uh, the situation certainly warranted it. Well, I think one if of the, someone's disrespected on a set, that's it's. I that it makes me. It's not okay. Yeah, which goes back to the champion for the bullied yeah but you, but you have a little bully in you right no all right so all right so i guess the but you point... really i you your perception of me though is it's being clear is that one of a bully no i think but, there's, there's but, no, which i think is a whole you like we covered this before on your podcast you like to bust balls and you know depending on but, I, but you would uh, you would have to agree i bust balls probably 80 85 90 percent less than i did when you knew me no no absolutely yeah. okay but i think the confidence and the breaking balls yeah can look sort like, of you go right well he's a fucking bully even though you've never raised your fist or shoved anybody or, or really said like what the fuck's your deal you're an asshole like i've never felt that way about anybody well and i think I, one thing that the difference that i see in you you know certainly now and in in general that bullies need a crew <laughs> that you know I, i've noticed that a lot of times bullies need a uh, like people to go like right am i right i never you know, had one yeah i don't either yeah, i never had but i'm not saying that you because that be a means bully. no but you know i might be a bully but if you don't have a crew you're just an asshole you know but you know if you gotta you know <laughs> well there you have it but if you got a crew, then you got your apostles, and everyone's like, "No, you're right, man. No, that was right. Fuck that guy." But if it's just you, you got so no. I'm walking up St. Mark's Place, going, "Hey, Marin, nice pants." Yeah, it's and just, you're like, "What the what fuck? fuck? I don't feel well. <laughs> I only left to get chicken soup because I have a fever and I have diarrhea." Yeah, yeah. I see Jay Moore on the street and he makes fun of my fucking pants. You know what? He's an asshole. But it ain't Jay Moore and that guy and three other guys. You know, it's just yeah. me, which yeah. I which yeah. I completely understand. And all I can say is that was exactly the way I behaved. Yes. But okay, <laughs> and this is funny. It's not you're not on the stand. But what I think what's what, what's, sure I am. No, you're not. Every day we should be. Okay. Well, 
What am I, Russell Brand? Every day we should be, Mark. Yeah, he was something. He's something, that guy. Get him on my show. Help me. Uh, what, have you tried? He's the only one I want. Yeah. He's fun to talk he's to. the most fascinating human alive to He's me. a very smart guy. And he's like, you know, he's very, you know, he can talk about anything very lyrically. You talk to him, it's like, Shakespeare is. Yeah. Yeah. But let's just deal with the arc of uh, the disappointment that, you, you know, in People's my People's disappointment in me? No, you. It's a I bigger mean, arc. No. <laughs> No, I mean, like you're a working actor, and you know you're you're a working comedian, yeah. and you're a guy that was clearly po you know poised to do you know something that you expected would be much bigger. So now here yeah. we are now, and I you know I have to assume that on some level you seem to have a lot of self awareness about the arc of your career, and even if you're joking about it when you say my career is over, whatever. The fact of the matter is, you know, given what you did, you you have to be disappointed and a little heartbroken about it. Uh was. I certainly was disappointed and at times heartbroken and frustrated. There becomes that self-awareness through that inventory when you realize this quote-unquote not, not, how do I put this succinctly without sounding like a douche? Well, you know, I'll just say it and if I sound like a douche, that's that. That's never stopped me before. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, this place of concession that I find myself in uh, through my um, inventory I've realized is an extraordinary place to live. It's way above. If I was at a urinal in high school taking a leak and someone tapped me on the shoulder and say, hey, you're going to own a house, you're going to have a beautiful wife, you're going to have two beautiful boys, and you'll make X amount of dollars a year and you can do these places and you'll do a show here, I would go, if they just showed me the last three years of my career, I'd go, holy moly, that's that's beyond right. what my dreams were when I started. Right. It's not until you get a taste of the catnip when you're, you know, eating lunch with Tom Cruise and right. Christopher Walken right. where you go, I might be hot shit. This this might be a really fucking big deal. I can live like this. And yeah. it was Martin Short as Jiminy Glick that yeah. really put it all in perspective for me. Yeah. On his Broadway show, he brought me up on stage. He goes, I'm sitting here with David Spade. <laughs> and that was the gag. And you yeah. play along and you go, yeah. actually, I'm Jay Moore. And he goes, well, how come you're not David Spade? Yeah. And you go, oh, you Jay Moore. He's been at it for 30 years and seems to just be hovering along in the show business middle class. <laughs> and it, I was, I remember at the moment going, I was kind of fucked up to say in front of a Broadway audience. And then also I went back to my hotel going, I am in the show business middle class and it's awesome. But it need, I, it need, it's only awesome if I realize, if I don't, if I'm not having illusions of where I am, it truly is awesome. Right, it's, you have a little humility, is what you're saying, in terms of like you and know acceptance. where you're at. Right. Yeah, you, well, humility from where you thought you yeah. might have been, right. and to realize like, uh, you know, now it's you're gonna have to audition for this pilot. Great, let's yeah. fucking do it. Right, because you know, if I don't, I I love auditioning. I think it favors me. I think if you're willing to audition, it favors you, because a lot of people are like, well, they're not gonna make me a fucking offer. I'm like, I'll audition right now. Because cause I, I know I can weed through the guys complaining about not having an offer. But just being in the showbiz middle class, the acknowledgement and the awareness as Coltrane's album, no, that becomes the resolution. Right. I think, I, I think that also that in, in talking about what we were talking about earlier, I think there was a time when you were on the rise or you were you know, you know, bigger in your game uh, in terms of uh, where you were headed. I think one of the issues in terms of the, the, the interview thing or the inventory thing is that I don't know that you really gave a fuck what comics saw to you. Uh, I always did. Ego. 
Right, but I mean, ego, but there ego, was a time ego. where you thought that you know your stature would transcend the rabble. But if I found out like that guy thinks you're a dick, I would say why. Right, but I mean, I think I'm just start trying to sort of figure out like you know that you know when you were you know heading upward and you were willing to do you know certain things you know that may have hurt people or may be considered wrong. You were like you know what what fucking difference is it going to make when I'm you know when I got everything? No. Uh, categor categorically no all right I, it, it mattered to me too much ego ego no i get it but like what i my point is is that now you're back among us and and you're you're fighting for your reputation i am well you know you say well you want to resolve this you do not want to be in the shadow of uh you know being accused of stealing and you know it's important to you that but comment. i i understand what you're saying but i also said the shadow of that accusation came from a very specific all right, all faucet right. no mm. like when i go do you know a louisville improv or any, anywhere in the world anywhere in the country that's that it, that's not attached to right me right like when people come up to you on the street and tell you robin williams is a great comic no one has any idea that Robin Williams is accused it, of stealing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's our it's our copious amounts of yeah, material. It's our community, like half hours at a time yeah, of material. Yeah, but when you were saying about yes, it mattered very much to me about what people thought about me. Very much, it mattered. It kept me awake. If I knew a guy was unhappy with me, and I would go out of my way to meet that guy and be nice to him, it really mattered to me. And. You can frame it a different way, but that's. Still oh no, no, I'm not trying to frame anything. I'm trying. Well, you to framed it three different ways. Well, I know, but I'm just trying. Like I, but none of them were to make you look bad. You know, it was to you know to put some sort of. If like privately a, somebody said to me, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that was an equal or higher. I always considered you. I don't. I always thought you were much cooler than me. Uh, higher, much cooler. Obviously, I mean, you had the Hound Dog Taylor records for crying out loud. <laughs> Yeah, you turned me on to the real blues. Yeah, if somebody said to me, uh, uh, Pat Oswald, um, he just thinks you're a dick. I would be so confounded as to why, because I love Pat Oswald. Well, yeah, I think, that and I would find Pat Oswald, right? And I would say, I've just heard to the grapevine that you have a problem with me, and I like, I would need to sort it. And if the person said to me to my face, yeah, man, X, Y, and Z went down, I would say, okay, good. I can easily explain why that happened, and I'm glad we're talking about it. Right. But it really mattered to me. And, it, I, I, and like, now, for the first time, I, it doesn't, <laughs> because now I've realized the pie from which we're making up, the, our, our comedian yeah. pie chart is so absurdly larger than any of us ever imagined it's I don't. It's great. That guy doesn't like me. There's nothing I can do about it because I know that all I'm trying to do is be nice to everybody. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm and and I I didn't even you know, bring you in here. I you know I like you. I know I'm not trying. You and to, I have always gone along. Yeah. Right. I'm not. I'm not trying to, to to the chagrin of many others. Yeah. I'm not trying to accuse you of anything. I mean, I think a lot of the reasons why I talk about certain things is my own sort of uh, my own life. I mean, I when I don't, I, I don't feel you're being accused. Oh, right. When when I when I look at your career and, and I and I see where you're at now and stuff like it's important to me to hear how somebody frames uh, disappointment or frames, you know, transition in life. I, and, I wrote and, down. I can give you a very uh, a good answer, I think. Yeah. Uh, when pre Hollywood uh, middle class, mm -hmm. when I still when I was still chasing you know, name above the title, this, that, that, like, why aren't I Jeremy Renner's friend in the Bourne legacy or something? Yeah. That's disappointment. Once I can, once I realize I'm no longer playing in Yankee Stadium 
and I move it over to Shea, yeah. whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, I, you know, sure, sure. Once I'm no longer a Laker and now I'm a Clipper, right? Uh, now that I'm in the show, now it's com- now it's not disappointment. It's complete optimism. And let's from and, now, and you're working and now you, in this arena of the middle class. Let's get to work and let's see how much fruit we can shake from this tree. Mm-hmm. So now it's the opposite of. But I understand what you're saying. But I think had I not had the awareness to realize through a joke from fucking Jiminy Glick that I was actually in the Hollywood middle class or showbiz middle class, I I would be uh, angry and disappointed. But now knowing I am in the showbiz middle class. I'm very. Um, uh, I, I've always been a disgusting optimist. But but that's but those guys really in the big in the in the long haul work more than the other ones. You know that you know once you're in the show business middle class, it's a good place to be if you're capable yeah. and you're talented and you can you know change it up and do what's expected. I, I think it also is very helpful to me to hear certain things because you know I'm in production for this show and I literally had a conversation. Uh, you know, we're in pre-production. I had a conversation with my writers. I said, should I go over to the production offices and, you know, say hi and, you know, and, you know, make sure everything's going well. You know, it's my show. But there's something, because like I realize, and I think that what you're saying is that I've got to remember to do that. You've got, when you're self-centered and you're full of ego, whether it's like uh, negative or even self-inflating, it can go either way. If you think you're the shit or you think you're a piece of shit, it's the same amount of ego energy. Sure. So... Like the idea that, you know, like you, you got to respect the people that are that are really working harder than you to make, you know, what you're part of work. And, you, you know, and, and you have to tell yourself, it's like you go, you know, it's not instinctual when you're a self-centered person to, to you know, to go over and, and well, make yeah. sure everybody's all right. If you hate, if you loathe yourself, it's, well, why do they want to see me? And if you love yourself, it's, well, why, why don't they why, want to see why me? Why should I go over there and see them? Right. So, you know, it's an important lesson. I mean, in life in general is to go out of your way to make sure other people are okay if you don't instinctively think that. Some people are just like that. They're like, you know, that's their life. I hope everyone's okay. <laughs> you know? But, uh, unfortunately, mine is like, what about me? <laughs> like I think I, you wanted your podcast to be more, um, what about me? Like It, it was originally. Cause it, and it, when you it, read like old comments, it, it seems like you wanted to steer it that way yeah. towards almost... Um, self-saboteur yeah you know and like i've, I've already done all that well i mean how am i why am i going to sabotage something that i have uh, you know that it's just me in my garage you but, know but then i think as the podcast yeah. became uh the 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 sum what is it is greater than the sum yeah. of the, the yeah, something like it was that. greater than the sum yeah. of the parts i i think you had no choice to just steer it back into the light because <laughs> it's when i listen to your podcast which is i mean i listen to four yeah uh, f- not four of yours, four total. Yeah. I'm always like uh, happy when I listen to yours because I go, this is the guy I had lunch with on the Lower East Side. This is the guy. Because you and I have always gotten yeah. along. Yeah. I mean, talk about strange yeah. bedfellows. Like you and I are two guys that probably shouldn't be this comfortable with one another. Yeah. Like I'm a hack from way back and you're a guy, and I said it on my podcast when you were on, of like I, no matter who's in front of me, yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make them laugh. If it's a prom crowd, I'm doing fucking prom jokes. Yeah, yeah. And you were from a school of thought of, I'm going to make people laugh this way. It's the only way I know how to do it. Though. It's a narrow beam of light I have. <laughs> yeah. And if you're in the beam, you get bathed in it. And if not, then you know what? Fuck you guys. You don't get me. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then now you're realizing through the podcast that you're, you're I, I think from listening, 
I've deduced yeah. that almost begrudgingly you've realized you're much funnier than you've ever given yourself credit for on a much broader I think level. That, yeah, I, know, I think that's true. Like I, it just happened the other night. Like I'm doing these things about my relationship and stuff, and uh, you, you know, it, they're they're my stories, and and I realize they're relatable. And I think that at some point earlier on, I you know, I I don't think I wanted to be relatable. I wanted to be, you know, I thought I was different, and I am different. But that's yeah. I think that's also the guys you emulated, like Cross, like they never tried to be relatable. Well, I and always, they would sabotage auditions all the time. I watched David Cross at an audition for MTV where we were all like super excited up in Boston. And he said, all right, audience, come on, clap your hands, ready? And everybody at Duck Soup was clapping their hands. And he goes, okay, ready? A one, That's two. Good. That motherfucker counted to 400 until they all walked out. Yeah. He was literally going 201, 202. That was his set. Mm-hmm. Now, in hindsight, you go, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's funny. But in 1991, with all everything on the line, and you have your crafted eight-minute yeah, set, yeah, yeah. you're like, he's blowing it for himself, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, people used to do that. I, I don't think I emulated them. I just think that the way I thought about life was um, fairly self-involved and specific, but I didn't know how to talk about it in any other way. But why? then why did you steal? I mean, you're a documented <laughs> thief of hearts. <laughs> Yeah, there's a. You I've, steal people's hearts. I broke a couple hearts, haven't we all? And you steal Carrot Top's girlfriends. I did not. That was a great podcast. Did, did he say that about me? No. No, I'm just. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that, you know, I, know, I didn't want to love or like your podcast because, again, as comics, we think the pie is. Yeah. We're competitive and yeah. we think the pie is much smaller than it is. Yeah. And I, I think I told you this on my podcast. Yeah. I was listening to you with Carrot Top on my way into customs to go to Vancouver to do yeah. a gig. And I'm the next person at customs. And Carrot Top goes, that crowd fucking sucked. I had to dig out of a hole early. And then the lady waves to me yeah. at customs, like, move forward. <laughs> yeah. And I'm listening to you in my yeah. earbuds. I'm reaching for my earbuds. And you go, now, to Carrot Top, you yeah. go, now, for you, is it an actual shovel? <laughs> And I stepped to the lady by going, <laughs> now there's nothing in my ears anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm earbud less. Yeah. I remove them on the approach yeah. and she's reaching for my passport and I go, <laughs> <laughs> and I realize you fucker, you got me. I'm oh, in forever. WTF all the way. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. That's it, my friends. That is it. It was good catching up with him, having uh, known him since he was however old, a child. And uh, go to WTFPod.com. Got the merch share, the Boomy Lives. Boomer Lives shirts are are going good. We got the swag bags. We got, you know, your posters. We got all kinds of stuff for Christmas presents and whatnot. You can also check the episode guide, see who's been on the show. Get the app. Then get the premium app to listen to all the shows. Get the first 100 DVD as a gift. Leave a comment if you'd like. Do whatever you need to do over there at uh, WTFPod.com. Come see me in Philadelphia at Helium, December 6th through 8th. More tour dates forthcoming. Just getting them uh, getting them uh, solid. Getting them uh, set up. Why do I lose phrases? I got to go to the record store. Boomer lives! <laughs>